what really, really worked for us to get from nothing to something, right, was a partner. The UK market is, is very much about who do you know and, and is your product good enough to be referred by this person to others. podcast that helps you open and thrive in foreign markets. This is Steve here speaking, and today's episode will be focused on how Tim Taylor grew their business in the UK from zero to 6.5 million pounds of annual recurring revenue in less than four years. We are welcoming Diego Guerrero, their former UK country manager who arrived there as their first salesperson dedicated to the UK market all the way to managing 40 people in the team. What's very impressive in their approach is that within the first two years, there was no marketing budgets or marketing team helping them. And the majority of sales generated were through their, what he calls 360 account executives. And he's about to share the changes they went through to scale the business in the United Kingdom. Hi, Diego. Welcome to International Corner. So happy to have you here. How are you doing today? <laughs> yes, Stefan. Um, yeah, super nice like being here. Um, really exciting. Sorry, I had to uh, postpone it a couple of times. <laughs> no worries. No worries. At least we are having it now, which is what matters. And it's going to be very exciting to understand um, how you managed to uh, get Tim Taylor to different growth stages in the UK. And we'll come to that uh, just uh, in a little bit. But perhaps can you introduce yourself to the audience, your background, your role at Tim Taylor, you know, for four years and even the one that you're occupying today, if you want just a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm Diego. Um, I'm, I'm currently working as the sales manager for EMEA at a company called Omnipresent. Um, prior to that, I was working at Team Taylor, um, which is an applicant tracking system. Um, and, you know, we had amazing growth. And I think that's going to be the main focus of today's conversation for about four years. I was, um, you know, the first rep, uh, like the first sales rep in the UK and see it through all the way from literally just one person and a, and a country manager all the way to becoming the country manager myself and having over uh, 30 people in the team in the UK and 250 uh, people in total in the company. So, so that has been very exciting. Um, originally, I'm from Mexico. And yeah, my journey has really taken me uh, across the world, really. I had my first you know, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial experience in China, Shenzhen. And then followed by, you know, starting and co-founding my, my, my first startup in, in Mexico City. Um, and, and yeah, so it's, it's been a great journey so far. Yeah, you have such an international background. And I would say that uh, your experience definitely at Team Taylor, I think, took you from, you know, zero to 25 million of annual recurring revenue, right? The, the time you were, you were there. Is that correct? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, not from zero. Um, I, I joined uh, once the company was about uh, two years old, okay. um, but definitely our revenues were uh, somewhere around like three hundred thousand pounds, I believe, the, okay. when I joined. And I left when when our revenues were twenty five million. So so yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it was it was a great uh, growth, I'll say. 
All right. So if I understand well, then you joined the company when they were doing 300k ARR to start the UK market. So could you tell us a little bit, like, what did you do during those four years? Like, what were the main results in terms of business generated? So the UK, we literally took it from from the moment that I joined um, to the moment that I left. We went from zero to about like 6.5 million AR. Okay. Um, so, so 25 million, I'm talking about like global business. Okay. So, and you were the first sales rep on the ground starting the UK market. So I guess uh, my first question was, how did you start, right? Because there were, uh, were there any customers at all when you arrived or was it like a blank sheet, completely blank? Yeah, I think when I first started, I think that we had about like 10 customers already in the UK. So the story is quite interesting, right? Because um, the person I reported to, uh, a good friend of mine, um, he came to the UK a year before me starting. Um, and the goal was for him to move to the UK. His goal was to get uh, a minimum of 10 customers in the UK market, right? Um, so, so he got the first 10 customers and mostly, you know, like within the, the healthcare sort of like industry. So, so when I arrived, we had, yeah, about 10 to 15 customers, like maximum. Um, and, and over the course of the first year, we, I think that we went all the way to almost a hundred customers, um, in the UK. Wow. So, okay. so, so that was, you know, like, um, actually, no, um, we did about like 60 customers total year one because our hundred customer came in 2019. And by the time that I left, I think that we were up close to about like 450, 500 customers in the UK. Wow. Okay. And 60 customers in the first year that, uh, for like how many people in the, in the sales team? Um, so it was me. Um, and then we had two other people joining, um, towards, towards like age two, Q3, Q4. So, so, so yeah, it was, it was me from, you know, like Q1 as in sales all the way, just by myself all the way until like H, H2. And then somewhere around like September. So that's when we started uh, hiring more people. So we hired two more people, um, to that team. So, so you could say that. Uh, yeah, three people in total. And in a year, those 60 customers, that's approximately how how much in terms of ARR? Um, that's very interesting, right? Because like our ARR obviously changed quite a lot from our very first year all the way to the to the end, right? Um, mm-hmm. we, we progressively kept on increasing prices because we saw, you know, the appetite for the market and also like our competitors were charging way much more than we were, right? So the average AR, um, I believe, per customer in the UK on my year one was somewhere around like, you know, 2,500 to 3,000 pounds, which was, you know, pretty... Uh, pretty insignificant if you think about it, right? Because um, because yeah. that was getting us to like close to 100, 150,000 pounds AR uh, for for the for the first year. Yeah, yeah, completely. So okay, and how long did it take to reach the first million in the UK? Um, yeah, so in the UK, we, we reached our first million in twenty twenty um, in, in terms of to complete AR because the year after that. We um, we sold for about like I think we we onboarded close to like eighty new uh, new customers. Um, okay. The the average um, 
the average price uh, for like per customer um, at least went to like three thousand eight hundred, almost four thousand um, pounds, and. And, and I mean, you have to obviously understand, you know, like the, the fact that there is a lot of renewals involved in the in the AR, right? So the hundred and eighty thousand there was there was upselling. Um, we were very lucky because we had such a low churn as well. So our churn was, um, I mean, we our retain um, like we were retaining about like 98 percent of our customers, um, okay. so, which is which is pretty good. And so you know, with those upsells and everything, we reached our first million. Um, somewhere around like you know uh q2 2020 so just like to so q2 2020 and you started again which year um in 2018 2018 okay 2018 so that's approximately two years yeah yeah you could definitely say two years to get to get to that first million in ar and then it took us like only two more years to get to about like six six million yeah, so once you start reaching those milestones, it gets, you know, like exponential, like you get that exponential growth basically going. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, like that's, it, it's the beauty of software, I guess. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, so if I just backtrack a little bit, uh, focus on that first, I would say zero to one million phase. When you started, you said that you had those first 10, 15 customers there. That, so that was your base. What was your first approach to go in and try to scale you know this this uh, this trend like how did you start there like did you just use the use cases you know and just decided to go after the same type of customers like what was your approach when you started to develop the business um there was no real method um there was <laughs> if i'm completely honest like we didn't have uh-huh. uh, we didn't think it through so much like that um it uh-huh. was what we were selling at Tim Taylor and what we're still selling is an applicant tracking system. Um, so not sure if you are familiar with those, but it's uh, it's a system that it's implemented by HR departments um, to to track the applications of their candidates, right? So, so 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 really, like anyone who is hiring, anyone who is publishing jobs uh, online, anyone that you know has a need of. Uh, managing CVs, uh, managing a candidate process, right from from you know first screening of a CV all the way to hired, um, could use the system. So so when I joined, obviously I asked, you know, what's what's our ICP, right? Like who who should we be targeting? And and the the answer is whoever is hiring uh, could use the system, right? Um, whoever. I'm just making like a small parenthesis. ICP sure. ideal customer profile. Okay, just closing it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, and basically, you know. Getting into who do we target, um, it was very much like, well, let's take a look at job boards, right? Let's take a look at who's posting, um, you know, jobs on the Indeeds and the glass stores and Google jobs and so on, right? So so that was who we were targeting. Um, now, we started, you know, like later on, we started to, uh, you know, enhance and refine that process a little bit better um, and, and getting into, you know, proper segmentations and, and understanding, you know, like what's that low hanging fruit and uh, and so on, like what industries have a better response, um, you know, like from, from our emails, what uh, industries could use our help a little bit better. But at the very beginning, it was literally, let's go to Jobboards, let's go to Sales Navigator uh, on LinkedIn. Let's see whatever is like, whoever is posting jobs and don't have already an ATS, right? Especially like those who are, um, 
either using email to gather those uh, CVs or, you know, people that are literally using like an Excel spreadsheet to, 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 to manage that hiring process, that was our target market. Uh, so, so yeah, there was, there was really everyone. Uh, and the process was fairly simple, right? Um, we'll build a cadence or we'll I'll build a cadence at the beginning and I'll put up, you know, like 100 to 100 people that I will look for during the weekends, um, you know, like on, on LinkedIn, uh, emails, phone numbers, and then I'll start, you know, like that email, LinkedIn, phone call process, right? Um, on on a, a daily basis until luckily we'll get meetings. And so, okay. And in terms of messaging, what were you using? You know, like that, that I would say like tagline saying, I saw you posted like a job on this and this platform. Was it like your entry door? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I guess that's a very good point to make here is that um, although, you know, my experience before has been focused on business development with, you know, like being part of a, a very early startup, co-founding my own and so on. Um, uh, I never had like a proper sales sort of like training or I never, you know, had some sort of like uh, anyone that had come to me and said, you know what, we need to personalize this email. We need to, you know, like find that, you know, like what you're, what you're talking about, right? Like find that personalization and that entry door. So, so the messaging was pretty standard. It was like, Hey, uh, you're, I see that you're posting a couple of jobs. Um, we do something that could help you, you know, automate that process. Would you be interested? Now, at the beginning, obviously, that messaging was completely bad from my part, right? Because the thing about it is that you come off as a recruiter, right? Like it, it almost sounds like you're a recruitment agency, and and recruitment agencies like you know tend to do this, like send a lot of emails, like, hey, I noticed that you posted this job, and we could help you. Uh, and and so some most of the times you will go to spam or you will get a response of like, we don't work with recruitment agencies. And this was quite difficult, right? Because then you have to figure out like, okay, we're not a recruitment agency. How do I how do I make sure that that you know that we're not a recruitment agency and that we're actually like a software that could help you, right? Um so uh-huh. so usually that was uh we, we had to build playbooks and talk tracks for whenever someone will tell us you know, hey, we don't work with recruitment agencies, um, you know, just going back and saying, well, yeah, by the way, we're not a recruitment agency, right? Uh, we're, we're totally different. We're an applicant tracking system. So, but but yeah, definitely it was a lot of trial and error uh, until we got a, a, a fairly good message uh, that, that we got more responses from. And I would say when you went through this period, right, of uh, not having like much of guidance and trying, you know, tweaking a little bit and just trying to figure it out on your own. What was the result for that? Did you manage to generate some leads? Did you manage to close, you know, business out of this type of non-personalized messaging? Because for instance, at Witco, you know, we are targeting the UK market and we feel that emailing, you know, it's very, very hard when you just get into it because people just are floated on, on emails, it works not that well in the UK compared to Germany or Spain. So did you have some good results when you were trying that four or five years ago? Yeah, um, I guess that that's, you know, like a very uh, interesting debate, right? Uh, there are a lot of people that think that highly personalized touches and, you know, um, emails or LinkedIn messages or whatever it is will yield the best results, right? And then you have the other sort of like group that is saying, no, no, it's just pray and pray. Uh, you, you just have to mass email everyone, right? And then, you know, exactly. you, you, it's a numbers game. You throw, you know, thousand, uh, you know, like emails and one will re- respond to you. Um, the answer is that I found 
both methods to work, um, right? So, so, so one of the things that that really worked a lot uh, on our first year, uh, second year, was set up a cadence that is going to be sending these like content emails uh, that are slightly personalized, right? But the personalization was that. Hey, first name. Uh, I see that things are going great at company name. Uh, you know, it's like that was the level of personalization. But okay. but, but the truth is that you know you set up that campaign and you send it to 200, 300 people. Uh, you know, almost on a daily basis, you're gonna yield one or two meetings, right? Um, because yeah, most people won't see that email. Most most of them are gonna go to spam. Most of them are gonna be just simply ignored. You know, uh, archive immediately. Um, but you know, one or two might pick it up. And they're going to say, oh, yeah, this is, you know, perfect timing. I'm looking exactly for this. Or, hey, this is this sounds interesting, right? You have an interesting message here. Um, at the same time, with the time that you're saving there, what definitely helped was set up those running emails as campaigns, but use that, you know, two, three hours that you're saving um, from that to actually be hyper-focused and hyper-targeting, you know, like those people that you feel, oh, all right, I saw this post that you just made, made on LinkedIn where you are like, you know, struggling with managing your candidate applications, but you might be struggling attracting candidates. So here's an angle, right? Let me just give a little bit of value and give let me give you a little bit more of information about how we're doing things that could help you. It's not so much about the actual selling at the moment. It's more like, Hey, I see that you're struggling with attracting candidates based on your previous post. This is what is working for us. Happy to, you know, like to, to share that with you, right? Um, or, you know, like you're starting that conversation. You know, you never know where it might lead. Okay, so if I understand well, is that you kind of share uh, shared the the way you were approaching things? You know, first like trying to go uh, big on volume just you know hoping that at some point you're gonna have one two or three meetings that are that are going to come out of it and then at that time that you don't spend on personalizing or customizing should i say so much your email campaigns or cross-channel campaigns then you would spend on doing some more targeted approach um where you would actually go and and be more uh i would say with more of a consultative approach right trying to bring value have those conversations that will hopefully yeah. yield some results you know in the next months when they are gonna mature on the topic exactly i mean like that's that's exactly it right so i do believe that you know right now probably the best strategy that you can have whenever you're starting something is that hey first of all get your messaging right right i mean understand and when i say your messaging right it's like for those emails you're just going to be blasting you know like as, as in terms of like that numbers game it doesn't have to be so like so much of a salesy sort of like same generic email like try to have a little bit more of like value um to towards you know like the pain points that you're solving right for for customers uh you're not going to be able to 100 personalize them right but it's Yes, put up those campaigns and that's fine. But as a salesperson, especially if you're the first person on the ground doing this, um, that's not the end of your job. And you know that took you, took you an hour of your day. You still have seven hours, right? So, so the the idea for us, uh, especially at the very you know like beginning, like early days, it was about high activity, right? So, so what do we do with the rest of the time? Um, and definitely one of them is personalization. Try to spend some time trying to figure this out. But hey, what else can yield you more things? Um, and for us, it was let's go to events. Let's go get introduced to, to to people, right? That are you know influencers within the area, within the market that we're targeting. Uh, let's try to build those connections, right? Because at the end of the day, 
what really, really worked for us to get from nothing to something, right, was was actually a partner. Uh, was actually um, I remember having a, a chat with uh, one of my mentors um, who uh, had worked in the UK for a very long time um, in business development, and I asked you know, what is the secret here? And he said, you know what, this is like the UK market is, is very much about who do you know and and is your product good enough to be, you know, like referred by this person to others, right? So it's, so it's almost like tracking those influencers uh, within, you know, the, the field that you're working in and get them to share that. So I started doing that. I started going and saying like, okay, who would be the right person to introduce this within HR tech, uh, right, to, to other customers? Um, and believe it or not, like if you go to venture capital uh, firms and if you go to like their head of people, their, uh, you know, sort of like HR, like group, group HR managers and so on, they speak to, you know, hundreds of companies every day. And if they feel that, you know, the, the system that you're, that you're having can add some value, to, to either their portfolio or either to the people that they're speaking to, they will refer you, they will recommend you, right? So, so, so I started thinking like, let's just go there. Um, let's try to establish those connections. And believe it or not, like it, it was like maybe like a very dry period over the first you know two, three months that I was at Tim Taylor uh, in terms of sales, where we're like maybe adding one customer, two customers uh, in, a, in a good month. Uh, but then we had this meeting, uh, you know, with, with someone that after the call said, you know what, we can like, I, I'm, this is not for me. Like you know, we, we were in this uh, venture capital firm and, and definitely, you know, we, we won't be implementing this at the moment, but I know five people that could use your system tomorrow. Uh, and so she helped us set up calls with five different companies in the, in the span of like the two weeks. And we got five customers, which is you know, like a hundred percent increase from two to five, uh, you know, on a monthly basis. And those five customers started recommending us to others. And, and then it was like, yeah, that's the route. You know, let's start talking to partners and, uh, and see how it goes. And how long are your uh, sales cycle? Yeah, at the moment, it's very low. It's, uh, I mean, like not low compared to, you know, like in software industry, but it's like about, 20 to 30 days um uh, it's it's what oh, wow. what it was at at the moment um you know but we we definitely uh, when i first started i think that our sales cycle was closer to 45 days and and the goal was okay. always to try to decrease that right um and okay. we will count it from first meeting all the way to to closing um so so yeah it's and your uh, i would say your your target market uh, mainly are what like startups scale-ups? because if you if you talk to vcs that introduced you i'm guessing that they were mainly connected to uh, startup and scale up right yeah so yeah i mean like as i said you know earlier like it, it is about it was literally anyone who would be hiring however the capabilities oh, okay. and the features of the software in year one were so different from the ones at year four. Like at year four, we were having customers that, you know, they had a headcount of 3,000, 4,000 plus employees, right? But at the very beginning, those customers were so out of reach for us because, you know, they needed a much more complete software. So so, so it's also very important that you 
keep on listening to the customers. What is it that you need? If you want to make a move towards like that corporate enterprise, your product needs to be ready for that, right? Uh, because not many people are going to give you the, the, the chance of saying, oh, yeah, sure, like we'll try you and let's see if you scale with, you know, like uh, to, to where we want you to be. So, but that's such that's such an important point. You know, it's like uh, I remember uh, when I did the work in the in the US with the Tukentoko two years ago. It was the same. Like we wanted to go upstream to target like bigger customers, but we just realized that the competition was so fierce and that our product missed some important capabilities that we had. You know, to find those companies that didn't have the exact same complex needs so that we we could you know like focus on something else the time that we could upgrade i would say our software to go to those uh, mainstream customers afterwards yeah. so completely agree okay so uh, very important and that that vc you know in particular like did you meet that person at an event like how did you get to uh, under their radar to have that conversation. Uh, that's actually very funny. It was one of the very first cold calls I made. Um, and, and I don't even remember like my reasoning behind it. I just remember, you know, like um, she, she happened to be some sort of like, she happened to consult with a couple of other businesses. And actually my approach was to say, hey, you know, we've got this ATS I'm sure you're aware of what it is because you are in the industry. Uh, this is, yeah, yeah, I actually know what an ATS is. Are we, would you be interested in, you know, taking a look at how we do things differently, right? Because we are all more about candidate experience. We're all more about, um, you know, talent attraction, not so much just management of it. And she said, yeah, you know, this, this sounds interesting. Let's schedule a call. And that call got postponed, I think, three times. Um, uh, you know, like it was like, oh, you know, I was about to have the meeting. It's like, I'm so sorry. I need to push it. I'm so sorry. I need to push it. It wasn't like the third time that I actually said, um, you know what, if she doesn't show up <laughs> or if she decides to cancel it again, I'm just not going to pursue it anymore. It might not be of interest. And she showed up and, and then it just so happened that she was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And it, it did help a lot. The fact that our product, um, I believe it's still far superior, um, to, to many other applicant tracking systems, especially that are catered to, you know, SMEs. Um, and, and the main reason being that, you know, it's, it's about talent attraction. It's about the candidate experience, which are trends that keep on coming, right? Employer branding uh, as well. And, and that's what we were trying to do, right? To give the tools to smaller companies to actually differentiate themselves in a market uh, which is the talent market, and you're competing against Amazon and Google and, and Apple and, and companies that are willing to offer quite a lot of perks, quite a lot of benefits that have a reputational uh, brand behind them. But you might be a startup. How do you attract those people? You want the same type of people right at the end of the day. Exactly. So, so how, do you, exactly. how do you get them? Uh, so, so our system just so happened to, to cover that. And uh, yeah, it was, you know, it, it definitely... You need a bit of like you, you need a very good product. You need to be passionate about that, but you also need you know like to, to put in the work to get in those meetings, right? So so yeah. So okay, so if I'm just trying to uh, sum it up a little bit, so basically it took you two years approximately to get to that first million. During the first year that you get there, uh, that that you got there, you went all about outbound. Uh, you did close a few customers, but the situation really unlocked when you started to. Um, have partners to also like open doors for you, I'm guessing. And yeah. on that second year, did you change a little bit your approach on lead generation? Like, did you focus, you know, on like creating more partnerships? Like, how did did that work until you reached that first million? 
Yeah, no, it's funny you mentioned that because um, we didn't change much about our approach. Like our approach actually from day one is that every single account executive will do 360 sales. Everything from prospecting, not, not even prospecting, from finding the leads on LinkedIn all the way to closing onboarding, right? Uh, we added onboarding, I think, after a year and a half of me being there. Um, we didn't add marketing. We, we didn't spend a single pound into marketing until 2020, 2021. Um, okay. it, it's, um, it's literally everything was, uh, it wasn't top funnel. It was like bottom funnel, right? It was like literally from the outbound uh, that, that everything was generated. Um, a couple of things that definitely helped was the partnership speed, but it wasn't so much of like, let's actually, we introduced a partnerships manager in the UK just in 2022, um, right? Okay, so so like yeah. in January, so, <laughs> so much, much later, the partners that we were having was really just because this one partner introduces to another partner, like someone that was doing, like, I, I don't know if you know Talentful, right? Uh, which is, um, you know, like an embedded sort of like um, recruitment uh, partner, right? So, so they'll send someone into your company and they'll help you recruit and so on. Um, so, so they put us in touch with them and they said, oh, you know what? Your ATS could definitely be something that, that our, our customers could use, right? That many of them could use. Yeah. And that, you know, took us from five customers in a month now to 10 customers in a month because they had a bigger team that were speaking with a lot of customers, right? Um, and then the outbound was still yielding maybe one or two customers per month, right? But it's okay. all about like that snowball effect, right? It's all about like, uh, just, just, um, yeah, you go from five to 10 and then you keep it at 10 consistently. And then, and then all of a sudden you add another partner and that, gives you another five uh and so on right um and the same is like as we were talking about scaling is that we will always add an, an account executive expecting that person to do the same process from from you know lead generation all the way to closing um and that's the way that we kept it for at least two and a half years um it was like on on to year like year three that we started thinking you know what it's great that we are scaling this way, but we will benefit from specializations, right? So we will benefit from specializing, um, you know, a rep to do, you know, like an SCR job because they are fantastic at booking those outbound meetings, right? Like maybe on average, a rep was yielding three to five meetings per week, but this person was doing okay. 10 a week, right? So, okay. so why not start building a team around that? Uh, why not start introducing a little bit more of like that marketing uh, side of things? So, so actually setting up a team that is going to dedicate themselves into trying to get that top of funnel through lead generation, through nurturing campaigns, not so much like, you know, just random emails, but just more like newsletters, uh, creating content with value. Uh, that was what we started looking at just way later, right down the road. Uh, from from day one, it was always that three hundred and sixty, and that's how how we were growing. Perfect. And did you did you have any? Uh, I would say like support from the marketing, you know, like that was working on the Swedish market, uh, like content, for instance, did you, did you have a, a little bit of articles that you could share or like, it was really like nothing, nothing. <laughs> no, we didn't have absolutely anything. Um, it's, it's actually most of the articles, uh, most of the content was created by the sales team. They will say, you know what, we need content in relation to these, you know, sort of like employer branding. So, so they'll put it up together, share it with the team. 
And then that will be sort of like the piece of content that we'll be sharing. Uh, you know, okay. like a, a new deck, right? It will be the same. It will be like, okay, we need a new deck with the features and like the number of customers that we have, maybe a couple of logos that we can show there. Someone from the sales team did that and passed it on to everyone, which is which is quite interesting, right? I mean, you don't see this in many companies, right? Def- so, no, yeah. definitely. And and so okay, so when you when you were saying that you were 360s AEs, it's not just full stack, it's really creating also your own content. You were basically almost, I would say, like on your own, probably you had a little bit of guidance, but it was up to you to uh uh and the first few sales, you know, before there were there was this partner manager who comes in. Uh, and then uh, the the marketing, it was mainly like a outbound led effort with a little bit of like partnership and uh, influence work uh, on the side. Absolutely, and it's um, I guess that there is like pros and cons from it, right? Like um, the pros is obviously you're building an amazing culture. Uh, you're building, you know, like a team that is always proactively trying to figure out together how do we get more out of what we're doing, right? And and someone comes up with a great idea and they run with it. I mean, I remember like the first time that I went to, you know, like my manager and said, I think that we need to do some events, right? Like, I mean, it was, this was early on, like you know, maybe towards the end of year one and be like, I think we need to, you know, uh, start creating this community around us, right? We don't have any anyone that is trying to do this. Um, let, let's try to do that and, and they said sure try to run with it right so, so we we're based in a we work and you know we, we go there and we're like hey you know what we, we need to do, we want to do this event can we invite the we work community you know just to learn a little bit more about this do some demos etc and they were always very helpful about it like uh, we is a great place to meet people um but 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 that was how we were doing it right like there was no one team dedicated to say we should start doing this on a regular basis, yeah. and let's uh, because that's a, that's what many teams do, right? So, so the process that you're building that amazing sort of like atmosphere that everyone is willing, you know, like to to do a little bit more, and and you have to brainstorm and you get like your hands dirty with a lot of different things. Um, the cons, obviously, is that you don't have a specialization, right? So you don't have a team that it's super expert in one thing and that can eventually drive your cost of acquisition, right? Because um, because if you keep on adding, you know, like one AE, one AE, one AE for everyone and then you're giving the same sort of like service and processes to every single, um, you know, customer, then you realize that the customer that is paying, you know, like the lower end of your pricing point, you might be actually losing money on them for like two, three years until you make yeah. the profit, right? So, so that that's sort of like towards, you know, like year three, once I was like now sales director, um, country manager, that's when mm-hmm. I had to start looking into, okay, now we have this revenue. Now, how do we make sure that our margins are good as well, right? Because because now we're you know we just raised around, and now we might be looking into raising more money. And now it's how do we start making this business look a little bit more attractive for investors, right? Uh, that's uh, that's a different story. <laughs> but that's actually very interesting because that's the I would say the the second part, right? And you just pinpointed something that that was very interesting. I would say having a little bit of AEs doing what they want to do, as you mentioned, it can only get you to a certain point. And yeah. you guys managed to get above, you know, the like the milestone of one million of ARR. But then year three, when you know, when when it was time to actually get to the next stage, that's when you said, okay, let's now start to make some structure and and have a little bit more of specialization. So I understand that structure was key. Uh, I mean, one of the key points for you to to get, you know, to after like two years 
after like to those like 6.5 million generated there um were there something else that was different you know in the way that you generated lead or in the way you approach partnership that also propelled you to go faster to reach better numbers yeah um definitely like i said like to, towards year three year four of me being there that's when we started making those changes right of like let's start let's start building an sdr team right and and the thing about it is like, why do you build an SCR team, right? Like that's the main question. It's like, well, why do you need an SCR team if your 360 sales reps are doing great? They know the product, they know how to do this. Well, the, the reason is because then now you have someone that it's going to become good at this job or it's already good at this job, right? That is going to be doing this full time. Their, their main focus is going to be lead generation and prospecting, right? Trying to book those minutes, right? Uh, and what happens is that when you're an AE doing 360, when you first start, you can spend, you know, a week or maybe two to try to just generate meetings. And then, yeah, you can, you know, have three, five meetings every single week and everything is fun. But when you start having those meetings and when you have to do onboardings and when you have to do all of these things, it's impossible, right? Like, I mean, you just mm-hmm. cannot keep up with that. But then you specialize. So then you go and say, okay, now we have an SCR person that is going to be doing the whole day is going to try to book meetings. So that person is going to be booking three to five meetings. It's going to be booking five to 10 meetings, right? And now you have a person that is super good at closing, right? Someone that can actually, that is an expert that conducts themselves very well in this meeting. And now they're the account executive. Now they manage to, you know, to actually close most, like the conversion rate of these, of these meetings that you're having is going to automatically increase, mm-hmm. right? So now you're having more meetings. You're having... Uh, better conversion. So that's what came up from specialization. That was the things that we started doing differently that started yielding okay. better results. I mean, so we went from 4,500 pounds average uh, deal size to almost about 6,800 pounds, um, you know, yeah. like the next year, right? Uh, we went from a conversion rate that was sitting about like 26%, um, you know, in year two to a conversion rate of 38% uh, in, in year in year three, right? So so those are like the things that you can start doing then to just keep on incrementing, you know, like that increasing that um, that revenue. So so that's what we did. That's the things that we had to change. Hindsight, we could have done that from the very beginning, and maybe it would have taken us less time to get there, right? Um, but but then again, you know, like the, the the process and what we were trying to do at the very beginning was form this culture of like always, you know, be proactive and always like try to get your, your hands dirty with everything surrounding the business. So, so yeah, I, I hope that answered the question actually. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, actually like part of it, it's, uh, uh, is answered and thank you for telling this because I think it's very important to see as well when you actually need uh, full stack AEs versus when you're going to start having people responsible for pipeline generation mainly, and then AEs mostly uh, responsible for carrying it up to closing. Towards the end of your, uh, I would say, like work there, so, you know, when you are more around like 6 million ARR, how was that generation pipeline looking like in terms of sourcing? Because when you started, it was almost a hundred percent outbound led. But then at the end, you know, did you did you work as well on having like inbound? Like, did you did you manage to have lots of inbound leads? Was it mainly partner led, outbound led? I don't know if you have some insights on that. Yeah. So the the great thing for us is like as I said, you know, product. It's fantastic. So there were a lot of referrals. There was a lot of uh, word of mouth going, and the inbound we could see it you know, increasing year over year. So I think that 
towards you know like by the time that I left um, uh, and it might be even better now but I think that our inbound outbound uh, versus outbound ratio was almost I would say like 40% inbound 60% outbound by that time okay um, right so so yeah it still had most to do with you know that SCR function with that with those AEs that we could, we try to continue the same sort of culture where like they need to still generate their own meetings. They need to still try to you know go to these events. They still want to get those like you know those those business leads. Um, but but most of it coming from inbound and inbound was coming from that word of mouth, right? Um, most of the time. Um, now yes, now there's you know like budget uh, that that have been allocated for events like. Breakfast, right? Uh, so, so it just happened today, and and now you know, like for the for two years in a row, you know, Tim Taylor has sponsored, you know, like a, a, a place there, and 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 we generate very good leads from it as well, right? But most of it still comes from that community um, that was generated in year one. Uh, it still comes from you know, like that. Uh, you know, that those people that know us now, and that they will go and recommend it to other people within the industry. Um, and they come straight from the website. So yeah, the one thing that I will always tell, you know, like the teams that I coach and the teams that I manage is whenever you whenever you close a deal, try to do, you know, your very, very best service, right? Um, throughout the whole, you know, experience, all, of, all the way until closing. After you close, try to give them a call one month, two months later on, just to say, hey, how's everything going, <laughs> right? Uh, is everything working yeah. all right as expected? Um, you might not be the account manager. You might not be, that might not be your role, but guess what? Like just you having that relationship with the customer, the worst thing that they can say is no, I'm having issues with X, Y, Z and you solve it and you have a happy customer again, or they might tell you actually everything is fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm very happy with how everything is going. And then you can then ask, so do you know anyone else that could benefit from this, right? Hey, actually, by the way, I'm focusing now on your industry. Do you have maybe one or two people that you that, that you think might be, uh, you know, beneficial for me to speak to. And, and they will almost always say yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And at the end of the day, people buy from people and it's very important to, to keep, you know, like that, that contact to provide value. Thank you so much, Diego. That was very insightful. Maybe let's move to the last part of that interview, which is the Oops, My Bad Time. Whoops. My bad. So for those who don't know, the Oops, My Bad Time is a moment at the end where the interviewee shares a mistake or a or setback that has occurred during the country's opening mission so people can learn from it and hopefully not repeat the, the same mistake. Do you have, uh, Diego, like one example perhaps to share with us today? <laughs> um, I mean, I guess I have, you know, like quite a few, uh, you know, like moments where, you know, like things didn't go as planned, right? Um, but, <laughs> but definitely, you know, at the very beginning, um, as a as I said earlier, right, um, I didn't have any professional sort of like sales training, right? Um, and and I definitely remember my first few months, uh, I had probably scheduled, you know, five to 10 meetings. And I wasn't able to close these meetings, right? I, like my, my my failing was that I was having the, the meetings, I was talking to customers, but I was, was really never able to close it, right? Um, and it just so happened that my manager then, uh, was concerned about this, just as anyone would be, right? I mean, like, hey, you're having, you know, you're speaking to 10, 15, 20 people in a month, but you just don't have any pipeline what's happening. Um, <laughs> what happening was that I wasn't actually properly doing any needs analysis. Um, I, I will go into the meeting and I'll be like, 
Hey, Tiffin, nice meeting you. Uh, thanks for taking the time. Uh, so, so let me share my screen. I'm just gonna go straight into the demo, right? <laughs> and yeah. when my when my manager saw this, he was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> it's like you're just you're just going in there. Yeah. And you're literally not doing any sort of. You don't understand if they even need this system, right? Like you're just going ahead and showing them something for thirty minutes speaking, very little interaction doesn't lead to anything, right? Like, I mean, that that mm-hmm. definitely, I would say that that was probably the one thing that I feel, damn, like, you know, if I would have known uh, better, right? Like, the, the story might be different, right? Like, we would have probably yeah. grown faster. We would have probably, like, fixed that very early on. But but that's not, you know, it, it just happens with experience, right? Um, and, and definitely, you know, uh, trying to, to specialize the team and every, all of those things that I, that I just mentioned, right? Like, in hindsight, you can always try to do that early on and try to, you know, understand these things better. So, so yeah, I think that that's one of the things that comes to mind. Uh, as in, like, yeah, my bad. Uh, <laughs> I was just, I was just a very bad salesperson. <laughs> hey, you know, it's. I mean, thank you a lot for sharing this. But I think that uh, at the end of the day, it also comes to training, right? Uh, if you if you onboard people, maybe make sure that they have like a proper training, a proper enablement, so that you cut that learning curve uh, as much as possible because when you start on a new market, that's already a lot of learnings. So if you can avoid, I guess, you know, like learning at the same time how to do your job best, I think it, it gets easier with time. But uh, definitely experience helps a lot as well. <laughs> 100%, yeah. <laughs> but thank you so much, Diego, for everything. It was very insightful to understand how you grew that business from zero, you know, like to uh, to $6.5 million of annual recurring revenue in the UK. And I guess I'll just have to tell you now until next time. Yeah. Thank you so much, Stefan. Thank you so much for listening until the end. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe to not miss the next one. And please share it with two people in your network. This is how this podcast gets more visibility and can help more of us to work on international markets. See you soon.